Hello and welcome to the latest and last UK election podcast. This is Richard Lane. Just a week before the UK election, we're joined by the Conservative Party by Dr Daniel Poulter, who has been a health minister working with the Secretary of State for Health, Jeremy Hunt. Dr Daniel Poulter, many thanks for talking to us. That's a pleasure. Could you just map out what you think is the Conservative Party's vision for the future health of the UK? And and if you can, try and explain how it contrasts with some of the other parties, because my general feeling is quite often there isn't much between the parties. I'm very proud of our NHS, both as a doctor who still uh, works and cares for patients, but also as a a conservative and as a conservative health minister and I believe in a health service that's free at the point of delivery and free at the point of need for all patients. Um, The challenge that our health and care system faces is is the fact that we have uh, an ageing population, a population with uh, increasingly complex uh, medical conditions. By 2018, there will be three million people with not one, not two, but three long-term conditions like diabetes, dementia, uh, COPD, and we need to make sure that we have a more integrated, joined-up uh, health and care system um, to better care for people uh, and provide additional care and support for people, particularly those with long-term conditions and disabilities in the community and uh, in people's own homes. Now, uh, in order to do that, we're going to have to uh, make sure that we continue not just to invest more in the health service, and as a Conservative Party we've said we will give the health service additional funding that is outlined in the NHS England five-year forward view, but we also need to continue to make uh, efficiencies to free up more money for frontline patient care. So supporting hospitals to buy more sensibly and improve their procurement practice could free up uh, between one and uh, two billion pounds um, from the uh, hospital uh, procurement budget and making sure that uh, we get better deals uh, for hospitals and what they buy for syringes uh, and other medical uh, products, uh, making sure that we uh, continue to reduce the temporary staffing bill and uh, the spend on uh, agency is a very important part of uh, reducing the cost of care, but also putting that money back into the front line. Um, And there's much more that we can do uh, to um, reduce the running costs and uh, free up some of the surplus estate in our health service, both in terms of uh, transforming where we deliver care, but also um, where we have NHS estate that isn't being used for frontline care. Um, That estate could potentially be sold um, for uh, local housing and affordable homes for local people, which reduces the cost of running the NHS estate and that money put back uh, into the front line. So um, for me, the challenge is making sure we provide more care in the community, um, not just do the reactive acute care well, but also have a service that uh, looks after people with long-term conditions more effectively in the community and in people's own homes and continue to deliver care more efficiently um, by um, reducing um, the amount of money that's wasted uh, and has been wasted in the past um, through inefficiency. And that's also continuing to reduce bureaucracy, move towards a paperless NHS, which is better for patients, and use technology to transform the way we deliver care um, so that we can uh, deliver more care for people in their own homes um, through telehealth and telemedicine. And a lot of what you said is echoed by 
the health spokespeople of the other parties too. I mean, for example, Andy Burnham was on the podcast a few weeks ago and he was setting out plans for what he called a national health and care service. Presumably you, you, you would agree with, with, with that, if you like, renaming of, of the service, given that, we've, that everyone's committed to, through the Stevens report, this integration of health and social care. It's very clear that um, it's important that we have uh, a uh, health and care service um, that um, breaks down some of that silo working, silo mentality that has been there uh, in the past. And the first great advocate of uh, a uh, health and care service, more integrated care, was, of course, Stephen Dorrell as part of the uh, John Major uh, government. Uh, and uh, what we have tried to do uh, as a Conservative-led government in the last few, year, few uh, years is to support integration. And we've set up the Better Care Fund, which is there to join up what local councils do with, this, with their social care uh, they provide to particularly disabled people and people with long-term conditions um, with um, the uh, NHS. And if we can put the money in the same place, uh, encourage uh, joint working and deliver more seamless care for people with long-term conditions, uh, that's a very big step in the right direction to have a more unified and joined up system, a health and care system, rather than the silo working of the past. You came in as a health minister at the back end of 2012. That was exactly when the Health and Social Care Act came came into force. What that Act has done is reinforce the role of the private sector operating within the health service. I know that was introduced by a previous Labour government, so that in itself isn't anything new. But what's your honest appraisal of how that fragmentation and tendering for contracts that comes with the role of the private sector, surely that has been contributing to greater bureaucracy, confusion and added costs. Isn't that just the sort of thing that the NHS needs to cut down on, as, as you explained in your introduction? I, I, I think I mean, Lord uh, Warner, who is the former Labour health minister, made the point very well, which was that uh, um, encouraging um, uh, the delivery of the best care for patients through um, uh, allow, allowing perhaps the voluntary and charitable sector to be uh, commissioned to provide services um, or, or other providers to provide services where it's in the best interest of patients was a policy that was pursued by the previous Labour government. But that's not necessarily, um, that's not mutually exclusive to having a more joined up integrated approach. And in fact, if we look at the voluntary and charitable sector, um, say, for example, family carers, um, the, you know, that's very much an integral part of having a more joined up system. So if we can commission through the NHS, as happens here uh, in Suffolk, uh, and support family carers organisations to um, deliver care in a more joined up way um, with the NHS and with local authorities and local councils, um, that has got to be uh, a good thing. And you know, we've always had uh, in the NHS a public-private uh, partnership ever since Bevan created the NHS in 1948. And GPs are small businesses, and the dentists, pharmacies, which are the bedrock of a lot of community health care. And we don't always talk about uh, pharmacy um, and, uh, uh, and recognise the important role that pharmacy play. It's always been a public-private partnership um, uh, ever since Bevan uh, created the NHS. Uh, and what matters to me as a doctor, what matters to me as a health minister, is what works for patients. And, um, and uh, you know, if those people who accuse the current government, the Conservative government, of uh, a swinging privatisation agenda um, need to look at the, the facts of where the money is being spent in the NHS, 
at the end of the previous Labour government, about 6% of the NHS budget was spent on private providers. Uh, that's only about 7% now, and that's hardly uh, an agenda um, that's pushing towards uh, private uh, providers being used. But it's allowing now local doctors who run the clinical commissioning groups to look at local services uh, and deliver the right results for patients. And that's given a lot of uh, local charities and voluntary organisations um, the ability also to provide uh, services in a more joined up way with the NHS. I've found just from the outside that I think it's been quite curious is that when we started looking at uh, our plans, the Lancet's plans, our Manifesto for Health, which we published a couple of months ago, if you went to the Conservative Party website, this is a few weeks before the manifesto came out, there were sort of six headlines of priorities that were sort of indicating you know, what the priorities would be uh, getting close to the election. And health was not one of them. But yet it feels to me that the Conservatives sort of have, have suddenly got health on their campaigning agenda quite close to the election. Is that because health is such an important political factor for, for the UK electorate and for the other parties? For me, um, what matters to most people are uh, jobs, schools and hospitals. And, and the Prime Minister's own, uh, David Cameron's own commitment to the NHS, I think through some very tragic personal experiences, are uh, it has been very clear throughout the time he was leader of the opposition and now Prime Minister. And uh, you know, we do have in our health team, in myself uh, and uh, somebody who uh, has worked in the health service and continues to do so, and um, and it's very much um, something that is uh, at the top of our party's uh, agenda and making sure that we deliver uh, the uh, right care and the best possible care for patients. And I, I sometimes think um, that the political smoke gets in the way, actually, of the fact that, um, you know, actually under the current government, um, we have delivered uh, some very good um, care for patients uh, and have supported an agenda of openness and transparency in dealing with those occasional examples uh, when bad things happen. And as, you know, as, as healthcare professionals, we recognise that we've got to learn from mistakes and learn from bad things so we can put things right in the future for patients. And out of the terrible event that was mid-Staffordshire, um, uh, that, uh, I think, very much put uh, patient care at the centre of the uh, healthcare agenda in the uh, current government and uh, uh, has been something that has driven uh, the focus of uh, the current uh, Secretary of State uh, and is very much at the centre of our manifesto for this election. Turning to international health, tell us what your thoughts are about the future of how the UK is contributing to uh, international development and to global health. Obviously, we've been the UK has been running a 0.7%, which equates to £11 billion pounds of, sort of ring-fenced government spending to international health and I think that's widely acclaimed as doing a good job in terms of provision although the Lancet we argue in our manifesto that it could be organised more strategically in terms of outcomes rather than coming up with the money. I think the Lancet is absolutely right in, in, in its approach to this and it's an approach that uh, we have uh, adopted in government as well. It's not just about uh, quite rightly putting money into uh, international development but making sure that money goes to the purposes of which it was intended. So, and I, I'm very proud of the fact that we're now able to provide vaccine, you know, we're supporting vaccination programs, providing uh, people with clean drinking water, and those things that we take for granted in our own country, that so many countries in this world, so many people in the world can't take for granted, that Britain is leading the way in providing that clean drinking water, providing those vaccination programs, uh, and supporting some of the very poorest people in the world to have 
uh, a, uh, have uh, the opportunity, not just the chance in life, but the opportunity of life. And that's something that, that I'm, I'm proud of. Going forward, one thing that I think is incredibly important when we look at um, uh, how we can, we can uh, make a, a lasting difference, uh, particularly in areas, uh, parts of Africa, where there's, there's still a lack of, for example, um, uh, maternity services and uh, childbirth is, you know, I think, quite surprisingly for many of us in the UK, a leading cause of, of death uh, amongst, uh, amongst, uh, uh, amongst some women, um, that, um, that we do what we can to support uh, British um, doctors to um, contribute um, and to have the opportunity to go and contribute overseas. And I've been doing a lot of work as a health minister with Health Education England and the Department for International Development to uh, encourage out-of-programme experience for British doctors so that they can go overseas um, uh, and also help support training programmes in other countries um, and uh, leave uh, behind a legacy of uh, a better trained um, group of uh, emerging healthcare professionals who can continue to provide uh, care after that immediate help has left. And uh, I think the more that we can do to support uh, um, British doctors to have that out-of-programme experience uh, and contribute overseas, but also it leaves behind uh, a lasting legacy of improved healthcare um, and it's something I know many of our medical colleagues find incredibly rewarding as a part of their own careers. A couple of final thoughts. The Conservatives have recently committed to funding uh, the, national, the UK National Health Service to the tune of an extra £8 billion a year or more if needed. Can you shed any more light on where this money is going to come from? Well, I mean, I, what I would say um, to that is that during this Parliament, um, we was set a challenge by the, the, the former chief executive of the NHS, Sir David Nicholson, which was that um, just to stand still, the NHS between 2010 and 2015 would have to make uh, £20 billion pounds worth of efficiency savings um, in order to meet rising patient demand uh, and rising patient expectation. And uh, we've, we've met that efficiency challenge uh, during that five-year period. We've also put in more money into the NHS, and in real terms, that's been uh, about uh, £6.7 billion, pounds, as well as meeting that Nicholson challenge. So we've done it during this parliament, this five-year parliament, and the track record is quite clear on that. And, uh, and I believe that um, we will be able to deliver what is, in, in, in terms of the NHS budget, a similar um, a similar package of additional investment uh, and efficiency savings through improvements in technology, improvements in procurement, uh, improvements in NHS estate management um, in the next parliament. So I think based on our track record of freeing up the money to care and freeing up the, front, the money for frontline patient care, uh, I believe that's something we've done successfully and that we will continue to do if we are re-elected and we have a Conservative-led government uh, on May the 7th. And what's your forecast for what's going to happen in a week's time? Well, I'm increasingly um, optimistic. I mean, I've just been out today uh, in uh, the marginal seat of uh, Waveney um, and, uh, um, and certainly felt that um, I think people are um, beginning to uh, recognise um, that um, the only way that you can pay for uh, public services, the things that we care about, our schools, our roads, our hospitals, our trains, is through having a strong economy, uh, and that's something that the current government, the Conservative government, uh, has delivered, 
Um, and I believe that if we want to continue to have a strong NHS, we need to have a strong economy. Um, and that's something that the electorate, uh, I believe, will recognise when it comes to voting next week on May the 7th. If the economy struggles for whatever reason, if there's another global financial crash like there was in 2008 and the UK economy weakens, does that mean the NHS weakens? Because the Conservative mantra this election is everything stems from a strong economy. When we came into uh, government, we did not just face the legacy of the debt we inherited from the previous Labour government, but we also had, in the first couple of years, a very difficult situation in the Eurozone, which uh, affected Britain because of the number of uh, exports that were there. But even in spite of that, we continued to increase the amount of money available to the NHS. We made the NHS, even in tough times, a priority for public spending, and uh, that is something that we're committed to doing in the future. We will make sure the NHS is supported financially, come what may, in the years ahead, because it is a public service in which we're all incredibly proud. Daniel Poulter, enjoy your final week of campaigning. Thanks very much for talking to the Lancet UK Election Podcast.